This is Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge on News Talk 770 Radio, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. All right, welcome back. 403-974-8255. A significant admission this week from the RCMP. Uh, Colin Freeze in the Globe and Mail reports, the country's biggest police force has broken a decade-long silence surrounding its use of surveillance machines that can indiscriminately pull data off Canadian cell phones. RCMP Chief Superintendent Jeff Adam. So, quote, we've maintained use of this device in only serious cases. He said these machines, which work by imitating a cell phone tower to phones in a given radius, were used by the RCMP in 19 investigations in 2016 and 24 investigations the year before. Uh, Chief Superintendent Adam spoke with reporters from the Globe and Mail, CBC, and Toronto Star. Said he did so because it was time to be more transparent about all of this. Now, this comes as new surveillance capabilities raise concern about legalities and privacy. For instance, in March, 35 organized crime cases in Quebec were scuttled after police lost their fight to obscure their surveillance techniques. And this week, reports emerged of suspicious surveillance activity taking place around Parliament Hill and Montreal Trudeau Airport, with Public Safety Minister Ralph Goodale saying the agencies he controlled were not responsible. So these devices are known as IMSI catchers. IMSI is the International Mobile Subscriber Identity. And then there's the IMEI, which is the International Mobile Equipment Identity. That's engineered into your cell phone. I guess it's kind of like a fingerprint. So why are the RCMP using these devices and who else is using these devices? Joining us for some thoughts, David Fraser joins us, privacy lawyer with McInnes and Cooper in Halifax, privacylawyer.ca. David, thanks for joining us here. No, it's my pleasure, Rob. Okay, so how significant is the admission from the RCMP about all of this? Well, it's it's significant, but it's only really surprising because it's the first time in such a long time that they've actually come clean about their use of these devices. It's been well known for some time that, uh, that these devices exist, that they're used by law enforcement. And in fact, information about their use has come out in some criminal cases, but usually over the very strong objections of law enforcement. And it's it's puzzling why they would want to keep it so tightly under wraps, other than the fact that it's an incredibly intrusive measure uh, that uh, indiscriminately identifies all the cell phones in a, in a particular radius. And so it doesn't just target onto the bad guy's cell phone. What it does is it collects information about everybody's cell phone. And so in what's been recently reported this past week in, in Ottawa, for example, I was on Parliament Hill two weeks ago, uh, so presumably my phone was, was scooped up into whatever is, uh, is going on there. And I think we as Canadians need to be concerned about any investigative technique that is so mass surveillance focused that, that co- collects everybody's information. Now, that's not to say there might not be circumstances where it's the appropriate tool for the job, uh, but something like this, because it's so indiscriminate, it collects information about so many innocent bystanders, uh, it really needs to be very, very tightly controlled. Right. Now, it sounds to me like this can be the, the precursor to a warrant, that it, it, it gives police an indication of something and then they can, can go and get a warrant. But the question of whether they need a warrant in the first place to operate this device, I don't know, it doesn't appear as though they do. Well, in, in, in the technical briefing that took place yesterday, and I had the, the benefit of reading the transcript, uh, they did say that they do get warrants. Now, one thing that they also said is that they didn't always get warrants, and there's a disagreement over whether or not warrants are actually necessary, which tells me, so there are a couple things that are clear from, that you can infer from the, uh, from the briefing. 
other police departments in Canada and other agencies in Canada have these devices. So while Minister Goodale was talking about the RCMP and CSIS, in Ottawa, there's also the Ottawa Police and the Ontario Provincial Police. And so it's also clear from the statement that not all police forces and Crown prosecutors agree that it's necessary to get a warrant, which tells me that these devices are being used in a bunch of places without appropriate judicial oversight. Uh, And I think that's an absolute necessity when you have a tool that is this intrusive. Okay, so if if I happen to walk by one of these devices and it's in use, uh, so it's registering that that this cell phone that's basically registered to me is in this this area, but what else can they glean from it? What, What information are they drawing? Well, essentially, so, so what it does is it provides the IMEI and, and the MC the information about your, your device. And so those that's just a bunch of numbers, which could mean nothing or it could mean a whole lot. It depends upon whether or not they're able to connect the dots, whether or not they're able to identify this IMEI as being owned by a particular person. And your telco has that information, and the police are able to get that information from the uh, from the telco with a production order. And so, again, additional supervision. But it may also be the case that they know whose phone it is um, and they're trying to track that individual or they're trying to get an alert whether that individual enters the, enters the area. But one of the problems with these devices is that because your phone is tricked into connecting to it instead of its proper cell tower, in fact, your phone at the time that it's connected can't call 911 and can't make other sorts of calls. So it does, in fact, have this kind of collect- not only a privacy intrusive effect, but also has this uh, kind of collateral damage on your ability to use your phone as a, as a phone for a relatively brief period of time. So that the police actually have developed guidelines, or at least they say, that say they'll only kind of, they'll, they'll turn the machine on and then they'll turn the machine off and then they'll turn it on and, and off again in order to prevent it from kind of blocking everybody's phones in those neighborhoods, which would also, of course, give away the fact that an MZ catcher is being used in the first instance. Right, but if I'm if I'm talking on my phone, it doesn't necessarily give them uh, a window into that conversation or into my emails or texts or anything, does it? No, no, it, it shouldn't. Now, there are devices that are made, and the RCMP doesn't admit whether they have any. Um, actually, I think that they, they deny that they do, that uh, can, in fact, get more information from your communications rather than just identifying identifying the phone itself. But if they can connect it to a person, they know that person's whereabouts. And uh, and that's that's personal information. That's information that ordinarily uh, they don't they don't get have access to unless they have uh, unless they have a court order. Now, the RCMP did say that they that they always get court orders unless it's an emergency. And they described one emergency where kind of life and limb was in the balance on a kidnapping, and there wasn't time to get a warrant, and they got one after the fact. Um, and so our, our, our only protection on this is the fact that it's overseen by judges, but those judges only hear the application from the individual police officer who wants to, who wants to use these. And so there's not, a, there, for example, I'm not aware that the orders say that you have to destroy the information about innocent people after a certain amount of time. And so all that information is, is collected by the police and, and kind of what else happens with that is a, is a concern. Do we know any more about the kinds of investigations in which this has been deployed? Well, certainly the, the cases where it has come to light, and you mentioned that the cases in Quebec, the, the organized crime cases, I would expect it's mainly organized crime and drug and terrorism investigations. At least I, I would hope that they're only using them for those most serious offenses and only where it's the really last resort tool, in the same way that they can go to a judge and they can get an order to wiretap your phone, 
um, but it has to be under very specific constrained circumstances, uh, and they have to be able to justify the, the intrusive measure. Right. And I mean, the Globe and Mail story mentions, you know, there's obviously the scenario involving urgent circumstances, uh, kidnapping victim who might have a phone on him or her. You, you can get a read on that. I mean, you, you could understand in, in extreme cases like that. I don't know if they've actually used it for those reasons, but that would be what. Yeah. And those are kind of the, the scenarios that they outline. And, and it seems to me in my mind, if, if somebody's life is hanging in the balance and they're going to be pretty constrained in how they use it and what they and and. Their, their application of it, well, then that's, that's probably reasonable uh, for me, because all of these things are always about kind of where, where do you draw the line? And I've certainly had conversations uh, with individuals who think that these devices are absolutely unacceptable in all circumstances and just introduce kind of far too much collateral damage on, on privacy. And But in that way, it's similar to, for example, a tower dump, where the police can get a court order requiring the uh, uh, telecommunications provider to let the police know everybody whose phone was in the proximity of a known tower at a particular time. And there's a, a recent case out of Ontario where the Peel police were investigating a jewelry store robbery or a string of them. And so I said, well, if we know that these three stores were robbed, and it's likely that the, that the bad guy had his phone with them, let's dump all the towers at all the three different times in all those three different locations and find out what's in common. But the police, what they did instead of saying, who is in common among all these, these records, uh, they got a court order requiring the telco to hand over the customer name and address and phone number and billing information and all this other sort of uh, sort of information about what ended up being more than 40,000 people. Um, and thankfully, Rogers and Telus pushed back and actually took them to court and, and resulted in an order that, that significantly constrains the practice. Um, but the issue is is kind of all these other people, if you're you're looking for one bad guy. That means the one bad guy against 39,999 innocent people. And, and this really relates to kind of what the, the, the big to-do was about the Snowden revelations, which was just wholesale information collection in an intrusive way rather than targeted at people who you actually have reasonable and probable grounds to believe is a bad guy. It, and aside to all of this, I mean, it, there's the question of how the RCMP are using these devices, but... You know, when when you Google the the catcher, it looks as though it would be pretty easy for someone on their own to to go out and and buy one. I mean, are are these being used by entities other than than the police? Well, I'm not sure, and and, and that's the big question about these unexplained use of uh, or apparent unexplained use of MC catchers in Ottawa and in Montreal near the uh, near the airport. There's a uh, a suggestion that it's that it's kind of just bad guys uh, who have gotten their hands on one of these things, or that it's uh, uh, some other, it's the Russians or, or whoever, some other kind of state actor who's conducting surveillance, and, and we simply don't know that uh, don't know that information. But I would expect so. So these have been around for more than ten years, and cellular technology is really well known. And so I wouldn't be shocked or surprised if a reasonably capable electrical engineer and, and radio uh, radio guy would be able to actually create one of these things uh, on his own and uh, and collect that sort of information it, because it, it's 10 years old it, it's no longer completely cutting edge yeah I, I guess going forward though as it pertains to police forces then does it seem reasonable to at least put some guidelines around this uh, you know the circumstances under which they be used maybe the necessity for a warrant and then rules about how other data is going to be kept or whether it's going to be kept at all Oh, I think absolutely. Kind of so often when it comes to any sort of anything that's intrusive, 
the the real nature of the intrusion depends in large part on what happens at the back end. So what is the justification for using it in the first place? What's the policy there? Do you only use it for serious crimes where life and limb is involved? Who has to approve it? Who has the training to do this? What is the threshold that you have to satisfy a judge? Is it beyond that you have kind of reasonable and probable grounds to believe that a crime has, has taken place and this is the last resort to find evidence related to that? Or is it reasonable grounds to suspect, which is a, a dramatically lower lower threshold? And then I think that there needs to be a requirement that the information collected uh, that pertains to a, a non-suspect has to be destroyed almost almost immediately, that they that they discard it. Because without that, there's, there's the possibility of, of these things being used much more widespread. So, for example, it's been reported that in the United States, U.S. federal agents and others have been flying around major cities, flying above major cities, essentially flying circles in Cessnas with... Uh, with stingrays or dirt boxes or MC catchers, whatever you want to call them on board, kind of tracking information about the cell phones of everybody in that, in that community, which is, uh, that's not the Canada I want to live in. I don't want to have a situation where that would even be possible or conceivable. Yeah, good point. We'll leave it there, David Dunmore at privacylawyer.ca, on Twitter as well, at privacylawyer. Thanks so much for your insight here. It's a pleasure. Anytime. All right. Take care. David Fraser, uh, privacy lawyer with McInnes and Cooper in Halifax. We're a little long in this segment here. We're back with more right after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.